This episode of Adventures in Aurelia is brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Inner Party Conflict, Fred on Fire, Avora Dawn, Powerful Condor, Motogul, and Polka Dancer on Patreon. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. And welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Chantel, and I play Kanina, a tiefling sorcerer. I'm Krista, and I play Ariel, an Asmar divine soul sorceress. I'm Chris, and I play Rim, a human paladin. I'm Caitlin, and I play Tempest, a water genasi ranger. And I'm Damien. I'm the DM. So we have some exciting news um, that hopefully comes out by the time that this episode releases. We are getting new cover art done for the the show. The show as a whole, we've uh, reached out and made an arrangement with an artist named Anna on Twitter that is going to be updating the graphic that we have for the main art of our show to help better reflect that tagline of five friends sitting around the table recording themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. And we've also currently got in works another commission from Daniel to have uh, Mistress Beery Yarjerit of I'm the so Mages excited. Guild done as a character portrait. It'll be our first NPC portrait paid for mostly by the patrons of Adventures in Aurelia. That's kind of what the money that you guys that support us for the show is going into is to get this art stuff done now that we're really happy with where the audio quality is and the more that we start to bring in as a show the more bigger and better art we can have done i'd love to eventually get the party art redone by daniel and also we've got a couple milestones set up where we're going to start actually taking a percentage of the funds that we bring in and pass that straight along to the artists whose music and sound effects and ambiences we use on the show as well. The money that we bring in through through Patreon goes to overall make the show better and to help support independent artists, both in drawn digital media as well as sound design. And a lot of that is what I feel makes us the show that we are. I'm really excited about the art the sneak peek we got to see of Beery is amazing. I actually really like the style. I went and peeked at their art also. I'm excited. <laughs> I've been keeping myself kind of in the dark for their art style just so I can get the uh, the full like wow factor of seeing it revealed as it goes. And I'm very excited because like I, I instantly saw the choices and I was a little torn between Beery and uh, what was his name? Mehan? Oh, Meehan, yeah, her brother. Yeah, because I, I did like both of them, but uh, I did feel like from Kanina's perspective, you know, Beery was the person like that she was, you know, drawn the most and considered a mentor, so. Beery had won by like a landslide when I looked too. That's who I voted for too. Yeah, yeah I did too, because I feel like because of Kanina's relationship with Beery, she's the most memorable of the guild leaders. But talking about the voting and everything does bring up that we are actually doing votes um, in Discord and on Patreon. I'd prefer if I could get everyone onto Patreon because it's an actual poll system. But for selecting which NPC gets done next, we are going to go through and do a series of all five guild masters first. After that, I'm probably going to have to like 
take suggestions on who has come up in the show that you want to see art done for unless by that point we have someone else that really stands out but I figured that because the guild is such an integral part of everything, we needed to get them done first. Mm -hmm. And it'll be especially exciting because we are going back home to Riven. So we'll actually get to interact with these people and kind of form more relationships and more events. You know, that'll (laughs) that'll help us kind of, uh, I think, influence our votes in the future. (laughs) I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Previously on Adventures in Aurelia, the party remembered that they had one last thing to do in Port Norsal before they had been distracted by the Midnight Carnival. On the morning of their planned departure, they headed over to the city hall to meet with someone from the leading families and let them know what had happened with Grimfang. Once that info had been passed along, they headed back to the Iron Castle to set sail for Riven. Though the ride of the ship is comforting, the someone's new demons make it clear that they are not done yet. So we pick things up today on the 7th of Monanon, around 2, 2 a.m., shortly after Ariel had been attacked by a black shade-like creature. Her screams had woken up the party as well as a handful of crew members on the ship that all came to her aid and have taken out this creature. And the party essentially has decided to not take this trip leisurely anymore and decided to start establishing some sort of watch system and has now condensed into a single room aboard the Iron Cask. I think Kanina is on edge and very worried about Ariel, so she'll volunteer to go first. Well, I know uh, we're all very rudely awakened by this weird creature, so I have no problem staying up because I'm still a little uh, little hyper from our fight here. So I'll take first watch if you guys want to get some rest. Ariel is probably feeling pretty weak, really scared, and I think she's probably kind of teary-eyed and just holding her staff and is just like yeah um i i really need to sleep kinina will be feeling bad for you because she she can sense that you're just very shaken up by this so she'll probably give you a hug and try to help you you're you're gonna (laughs) stay like right here right yeah i'll be right here i'll be by your side okay don't don't touch that thing and she's gonna point at the at the spear and she'll solemnly nod She'll probably perch like on the edge of your bed or something. It's still like right by her. Yeah. Well, she's on the floor with her pack. I think she would right. give up her bed. Yeah, Kanina will probably huddle with Ariel in like a semi-comfy encampment on the floor, little slumber party type thing. <laughs> Bunch of blankets and pillows just on the floor from the other place. And so Kanina is taking her first watch. Would anyone step up to offer to take a watch afterwards? Grim will take the next watch. You know, when when your watch is done, wake me. I'll take over. We'll do, Rem. Sleep well. So as the rest of the party, other than Kanina, drifts off to sleep, Kanina can tell because of the closeness to Ariel that Ariel is not having a good night's sleep. There seems to be a little bit of jerking and shaking every once in a while. Nothing that's enough to fully wake her up. 
And though Ariel isn't having any distinct dreams, it's obvious that there is something clawing at her mentally after the events of the night. Yeah, I think Kanina would be flicking her eyes between Ariel and the sphere because she doesn't know from whence the entity manifested. So she's very uh, watchful of where it might appear if it were to appear again. She's curious to see if it would, you know, manifest directly on top of Ariel or if it's something that would, you know, just kind of wander in from somewhere. All right, go ahead and roll a perception check. (laughs) Three! (laughs) Oh, wow! About 45 minutes into your watch, you slowly hear the approach of footsteps along the, the deck outside. Kind of this the sound of leather boots clinking against the iron-plated floor of the deck. And they fade as whatever was walking outside of your room walks to the front of the ship. A few minutes go by, and you hear the boots walk back through the hallway, back towards the back of the ship. I don't think Kanina would stir too much because her job is to watch over Ariel, which she promised she would. And she figures that there are people walking throughout the ship because there's still people required to keep the ship, you know, running and on course, I'm sure, throughout the night. So she's she's aware that there are different people for different shifts for different reasons on ships. So. How long would Kanina stay awake for her watch? Oh, it was 2 a.m., so probably about like 4 a.m. would be a good amount of time, I'd say. Okay. Have Rem take over the last bit of morning shift. You just over time hear the gentle sound of waves outside, the occasional cawing of a seagull. Every probably 15 minutes or so, you notice the sound of boots walking through that hallway that's in between the two rooms. And you reach a point that you feel would be enough to be the end of your watch with nothing extremely eventful happening. She'll kind of check on Ariel and look at the spear and then she'll kind of gently as to not stir Ariel, uh, go over to Ram and kind of just like put her hand on his shoulder and give him a small shake, wake him for a shift. He will wake very easily, quietly, but very easily. He was prepared. Ram, go ahead and give me a wisdom saving throw. Nine. As Rem had gone to sleep, he also wasn't having the most restful sleep as Kanina comes to wake him. Essentially, Rem had dreams where he was seeing Ariel attacked by this creature as you had been the closest one to seeing the shade creature on top of Ariel trying to drain the life from her. So as Rem is sleeping, he's kind of having a replayed nightmare of the events that had just happened. And through the fitful dream that Rem is having, as he's seeing Ariel turn pale with this shade over the top of him and the swings from his war pick aren't doing anything to take it down, a hand touches him and he hears the sound of Kanina waking him up. <laughs> Kanina will kind of look at you and like maybe look at how pale you might be and just be like, are you all right? I'm fine. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get some rest now. Just uh-huh. wake me if anything happens. All right. You know, we'll cuddle up next to Ariel so she can be close by if <laughs> things go down. So does Rem stay in the bed? No, he'll he'll stand up and he'll do like just a quick scan of the room to make sure everything looks normal. All right, go ahead and roll perception. Nine. Rem stands up and pans around the room, 
seeing if there's anything that stands out of place. And the room is pretty barren, so nothing stands out other than a, a little bit of singeing along one of the walls where it looks like Kanina's uh, scorching ray had left its mark. But other than that, you see a small chest that is sat towards the center of the room for people to store their belongings in. At this point, I think you guys stored most of your unessential belongings in the other room since you guys wanted to fit more of you into this room. But you do have your guys' packs and nothing really stands out as being amiss. All right. You probably, especially with the dreams that you were having, are a little tense just in general being in this space. It's very quiet. There's not a lot of talking that you're hearing going on from outside of the room. And you're hearing just this gentle crashing of waves as the iron cask more cuts through the water instead of riding over the top of it. So after making his you know quick look around, he's going to check on Ariel to make sure she doesn't look like she's dead. No, you, you actually see a twitch every once in a while, but it does seem that Ariel has found a little bit of comfort in her sleep as Kanina has sat down next to her to cuddle up to her. <laughs> so Rim in general doesn't usually do this because he's not a very pious man, but he will kneel next to Ariel and he will reach into his tunic and pull out a small necklace, which you don't usually see has a small holy symbol on it. He's going to hold that close his eyes and actually offer a prayer, not any specific prayer, just a prayer of asking the deities to watch over her while she sleeps. Is this um, holy symbol the silver fist? Yes. Okay. It's his holy symbol. Yeah. I was just making sure. And as Rem stands there holding his holy symbol, he does feel a bit of a warmth coming from it into his hand and kind of across his body giving him a sense that though there is no specific answer that his prayer has been heard and then he will find a place in the room that he can kind of watch like the walls the ceiling everything and even make sure that his eyes glance over the spear every now and then, watching for any kind of black entity all right go ahead and roll another perception check as you've kind of settled in and you are now more specifically keeping an eye on ariel and the spear 25 very nice Similar to Kanina, a lot of what Rem hears is milling about on the ship because he is much more in tune with everything around him. Instead of just when the, the steps get closer, you do a much better job of hearing where whatever person this is is walking along the ship. You can hear as they walk past the rooms to the bow. Uh, you hear them mutter something to the horses and a, a neigh from the horse. You can tell that they walk from one side of the ship over to the other. They come back. You hear the large door that leads below deck open and a muttered conversation. And as you're you're staring at this spear that is wrapped up inside of the sheets from the Farron's favor in some nice high thread count silken sheets, it just looks like a long stick wrapped in a bed sheet. If you don't already know what it is, and we have art of this now on the website, it has been wrapped up in enough different items and with this nice bed sheet as like the outer layer that if you don't already know what's in it, it doesn't stand out. It looks a little odd because why would someone be carrying around a staff 
wrapped in a bed sheet and it's a little bulky in some areas. It's not obvious that it's like a rib cage. You have to keep in mind that it is spear sized. So even the rib cage drawn in that is only like six inches in diameter or something. And essentially it has been wrapped up in enough like lumpy articles of bedsheet and clothing to be an ambiguous amorphous blob in stick form, essentially. But nothing about this spear to Rem in his current state jumps out as evil. You probably get some very bad vibes off of it because you know wrapped underneath this what is there and you know who wielded it and what events it has caused at this point but nothing supernatural is happening with it. His eyes are like tracking the guy through the wall because he knows where he is. I wonder if it's like Thorstein keeping watch or something. <laughs> Sent a guard to watch yeah, But he'll, uh, he'll basically, you know, just remain quiet until early, early morning. Around what time? Probably like seven, about three hours. Because he figures that's usually about the time Nina wakes up anyway. Yeah, I awaken usually when the sun starts to rise. But uh, yeah, especially with the current events, I probably would have slept in a little bit more than Rocking usual. Rocking of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he'll basically just wait till about seven in the morning when most people start to, like, you know, become active anyway. Okay. Who wants to roll me a d20? Just a flat d20. Me? Yeah. Which one do I do? 14. A few hours go by and we reach the roughly 7 a.m.-ish that Rem was kind of keeping an eye for. You actually can kind of tell that morning is starting to happen because though you don't have windows to see very clearly what's going on, the fact that this is an iron boat as the sun starts to hit it, it does warm up a little bit. The rays of the sun kind of causing your guys's room to rise in temperature. It's not to an uncomfortable level this early in the morning. Does give Rem an idea that it is now in the the early rise of morning. And on top of that, you're hearing more and more of the people aboard the Iron Cask getting up and meandering about the ship itself. Go ahead and roll one more perception check. 14. You notice as it sounds like two people walked up to the front of the ship and they're having a conversation. It doesn't sound super heated, but it does sound excited, but not in a good excitement. But you can't make out clearly what is being said between the two. Kina, go ahead and roll a perception check. 16. Around 7 a.m., you as well feel the temperature of the room starting to warm up and your internal clock kind of takes over how tired you are from the events of the night before. And though you did sleep, not getting the best sleep in the world, it kind of causes you to start waking from your sleep. It's probably one of those times where I'm slightly more tired than usual and kind of want to sleep, but I also just feel the awakeness around me. So you kind of start to just oh, be awake, <laughs> whether you want to or not. So, Nina will rise and look over at Ariel, look over at Rem, and she'll very quietly just ask, like, anything happened during the night? Nothing of import. Tempest. Yes. Go ahead and roll a wisdom saving throw. Five. Tempest, as you sleep through the night, you hadn't chosen to take a time of watch. Mm -hmm. And you drift off into sleep, and you also do not sleep well. 
you kind of replay through the events in your head as you're sleeping, hearing the sound of Ariel screaming out, waking up to see Rem already up and starting to move, and you making your way over to the room where Ariel and Kanina were sleeping. And the event that's replaying through your dream is that you get there and you aren't able to do anything. Throughout the night, the main thing that's going through your subconscious is that your friend was in danger and you weren't able to do anything to help her, that you were useless. Yeah, she definitely doesn't like that feeling. Roll a constitution saving throw. 12. At this point, we are at 7 a.m., 7.15-ish, somewhere in that, that neighborhood. I guess to, to help keep things somewhat organized, Ariel, when do you think that you would wake up if no one wakes you up? Um, I imagine she's lightly sleeping unless her body just takes over just because she's nervous and scared that it's going to come back. So I think if they were talking with normal talking voices, not being careful of, you know, not to wake somebody up type of thing, then she would start to wake up at that point. We were being quiet as to not rouse you because I think Kanina's trying to be conscientious of the fact that you probably have not rested well considering your encounter, but it is also a very small room, so you might still hear us murmuring. I don't think murmuring, whispering will wake her up. I think it'd be like if it was normal. So when do you think you'd wake up naturally? About another hour or something, I think. Okay. Kanina, do you kind of wake up and start getting up at around 7 a.m.? Yeah, she'll kind of go about her morning. She's not looking to wake Ariel for the usual morning routine, and she might actually just wait for Ariel to wake naturally. And she'll check with her, I think, after she wakes up to see if she wants to do our usual morning exercises. But she knows after a scary event like that, especially having been hurt as much as she was, both mentally and physically, uh, she probably won't want to be awake and bright and early to do exercises. (laughs) So she's going to try to be conscientious, though her natural urge is to want to work out as soon as she wakes up. Rem, do you plan on trying to go back to sleep or as 7 a.m. hits, is it more of a actively start to wake up thing? He'd probably be having not slept well, even with this two hours that he got after the normal one. He would probably wait until like everybody's awake and then maybe go find a place to take a nap. And Tempest, whenabouts do you think you would be waking up? Well, she generally is the last one to wake up. But considering we're all sharing a room, I don't think she would sleep as late as usual. Probably easy to ignore one other person in the room, but not three other people. Yeah, for sure. So like, not like when the first person wakes up, but probably around when Ariel would wake up. So I think in this like quiet hour of uh, just Rem and I being up, uh, we'll probably sit closer together and like because Kanina doesn't want want to stir because she I think would probably get a little fidgety being awake and trying not to actively wake up the other two sleeping members in the room so she'll quietly just perch on Rem's bed and keep watch over Ariel as well in this hour. Do the two of you have any meaningful conversation as it's just the two of you awake in the room for right now? I think we'd probably keep it pretty quiet since people are sleeping Mm -hmm. you know obviously like nodding to each other and stuff and watching things 
As the next hour goes on, you hear more and more sounds aboard the main deck of the ship, and that is probably what ends up starting to arouse Ariel and Tempest from their sleep as things aboard the iron cask are starting to transition to daytime. Probably some of the crewmates have gotten their breakfast already, and at this point being after 8 a.m., the sun's up and everything, there's no pretense for them to stay asleep. They're especially not accustomed to having visitors or anything that they would feel the need to stay quiet for. So as they start waking up, checking on the ship and everything, that sound is what starts to get everyone awake and kind of go, hey, it's morning. And so Ariel wakes up, would be kind of exhausted, except for the fact that Ariel willingly took an extra couple hours of sleep already to kind of counter that feeling of being exhausted. And Tempest wakes up in sort of a cold sweat, mostly because she did not sleep well at all, not quite poorly enough to be exhausted this day, but enough that as she wakes up, feels that she did not sleep well. Man, this adventuring life, like, really gets into your head, doesn't it? Yeah, as you kind of see more and more horrific things, I think they tend to linger with you sometimes, but that's why you gotta embrace the good parts, you know? They don't tell you about this kind of stuff in the stories. (laughs) I don't think as many people would read them if they told you about all the times people awake screaming in the night. Yeah, and then the nightmares afterwards. Kenina will look over at Ariel, like seeing her that she's probably started to stir a bit as well. Just be like, are you feeling Ariel? Um, a little bit more rested at least, but scared. Yeah. And she's going to be digging through her bag and she's going to pull out her journal. I need to write stuff down before I forget. And then she's going to kind of do like a description of what she can remember seeing and try to sketch it as best as she can in her journal. Hopefully, maybe somebody can tell us more about this thing when we get there. Kanina will turn back to Tempest and just be like, well, uh, it's good to do things that'll keep you occupied and keep your mind off of the bad things that transpire. You know, getting a hobby, like exercising, you know, that's a good, great way to work off stress. <laughs> Our other adventures, honestly, Tempest, they weren't this creepy. Like, there was glory and fun and scariness that you were going to die, but it wasn't creepy scariness. It was just more of, you know, make sure you don't get stabbed kind of scariness. Yeah, we're not quite used to having things uh, appear in the night Literally like this. sucking your soul out of your face. Yeah, that's a, that's a new one for us, for sure. Great. I guess I just got lucky. <laughs> fun stuff's happening now. <laughs> Say this with the utmost sarcasm. In character, are you being sarcastic and yeah. silly? I think she's just trying to like shake off the feeling that she woke up with. Just trying to use humor to lighten up the situation because everybody's kind of fucked in the head. Yeah, we're, we're all a little <laughs> disturbed, I think, right now. Yeah. Ariel's sketching and writing and when Tempest makes her little joke, she'll look up and like smile and just give this look of, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I think Kanina like won't quite get the sarcasm and she'll just be like, yeah, it's, it's definitely not the funnest adventure we've had but you know I guess it's uh different for everyone <laughs> usually that's Ariel but I think looking up and seeing her like expression she was just like getting to know that she's a sarcastic one yeah yeah with um everyone awake now uh can you just be like well we should uh see if we can get some food and then 
if uh, anybody's up for it, I'm probably going to start some exercise soon. And she'll kind of like side-eye uh, Ariel especially. <laughs> but she'll be fixated on her journal probably. I'm going to pass today. I really just, I don't want to leave anything out. Yeah, no problem. Grim will just kind of stand up after a little while, look at everybody and be like, I'm going to go. He'll go back to his room to take a nap. Okay. I need to find food. Kino will go ahead and like invite you to just like, you want to go grab some food and we can bring it back here if you guys want, maybe? Or, ooh, yeah, will you? Just anything. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Rabbit. Is Tempest going to go with Kanina or is Tempest more directing Kanina to just bring back food for everybody? Uh, Tempest will go with. Yeah, I think I think Kanina's like, uh, she's ready to walk around, kind of strut and see some faces that aren't as traumatized. <laughs> but uh, she, she's a little concerned with leaving Ariel alone, but she sees that she's involved in her journal and she seems content for the time being. So she's feeling fine with going and leaving with Tempest to go, uh, go get some food. So Kanina, who has spent time aboard this ship before many days, is familiar with the general layout of the iron cask. So Kanina knows where to find the sort of mess hall-ish area of the ship. There's a small room as you go below deck. Pretty much, actually, it's the room that the stairs below deck go into. It's a small room that has a couple, like, bench tables along the walls and a handful of stools tucked underneath them for people to sit up and eat on, and a small kitchen in the back that is actually, like, all plumbed into the power system of the ship. So that is where it gets the heat that is used to cook everything. There's a couple valves that the cook can turn to get things going as far as food goes there's a pantry over on one side of it and it is like completely separated from the storage area of the storage deck and Kina is actually familiar with the cook aboard the iron cask uh, her name is uh, Ziggle Seabrew and she is a older dwarf with black wavy hair pretty short pretty well fit and it's someone that Kanina kind of resonates with beyond just resonating with the fact that she's a cook. She likes playing with fire. <laughs> and this is all stuff that you kind of know from your previous experience on the ship. And so you make your way below deck into the like kitchen area. I imagine that you would open up the door that goes between the like small eating area and the kitchen itself. And uh, Ziggle turns around and looks at you and just be like, Ah, Kanina, welcome back aboard. Ah, Ziggle, I'm so happy to see you again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I still remember where the kitchen is. <laughs> I can't quite uh, shake those memories. Well, of course you do. I remember your last time on the ship. Did you bring some spices again? Of course. I have new variety of spices from my adventures. <laughs> and she turns over to a little cabinet and opens it up and pulls out a small tin that Kanina had left her before and shakes it. I'm running pretty low. <laughs> well, I'll definitely fill it back up. Don't you worry. <laughs> and she kind of, she hands it over to you. Uh, what what can I get for you guys this morning? 
oh, we're looking to bring some stuff back for to our room. One of our uh, friends isn't doing super well this morning, so we just want to kind of Yeah, you know, up. the stories, they've already got, it's a ship. The stories are already <laughs> all over the place. I got to hear about it during breakfast from like eight of the other dwarves. I was wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> no use trying to keep anything secret. Yeah, so well, like what happened? She's like turning on stuff on the stove and you see her throw a cast iron skillet down on a burner and she's talking to you while starting to prepare meals. She's throwing like bacon into the frying pan that she just got going. She's whisking up some eggs. Yeah, I think uh, Kenina will try to rope uh, Tempest in. She'll have her like hold the container while she like rifles through her her pouches of spices. (laughs) And so she can like actually start throwing some to refill the container and she'll start talking about uh, what happened and she'll be like, well, uh, it was a bit hard to tell exactly what happened, but we had some sort of shadowy creature manifest in the middle of the night and attack uh, one of my friends who I was sharing my room with, Ariel. Oh, so this this wasn't wasn't your doing. This was uh, your friend, your companion, this Ariel person. Yeah, well, it happened to her. Um, me and my friends defeated the creature from what we could tell, but we have no way to know if it's permanently banished or some such. So we're hoping it won't happen again because we hate to cause trouble on the ship, but uh, we'll be remaining vigilant throughout our stay here. Well, it's 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 good if, if you've been traveling together a while and this is the first time this happened, hopefully that means it's not going to happen again while you're on the ship. That's what and we're hoping. if it does happen again, it sounds like you guys handled it good. What, what do you do? And she turns over to Tempest. What do I do? Yeah, what do you do? I assume you're part of this uh, this adventure thing that uh, Kanina was speaking so highly of when she left the ship the first time. Yeah, I'm... and you know her friend, this aerial person. She's she's got got spirit things and she's got the fire things. We know all about that. What do you do? I'm pretty new to the group, so I'm still kind of finding my place. Like I'm pretty good with bow. Kenina will step up and just be like, she'll hype her up a little bit. And she's like, no, she's great. She like cast this whole big water cloud thing that rained on us that uh, helped put out some of the fires I caused. And <laughs> but yeah, I have done that a couple times following behind Kenina, putting out the fires that she started. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. So you with the fire, you went and found the water person and now you've got the water to put out the fire. That was smart thinking. Well, it wasn't intentional, but uh, Tempest has a great many talents and I'm looking forward to introducing her to the guild. Ziggle <laughs> leans over towards Tempest a little bit and be like, not intentional, huh? You've, you've met her, right? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure she knew exactly what she was doing bringing you along. She's like, look, I've gotten better at controlling my fire powers, thank you. Look, I didn't even like set anything in fire in the room when I was, you know, casting spells last night, so it's it's fine. Ziggle looks directly at Tempest. Is she telling the truth? Did she set something on fire last night? <laughs> set on fire is not the right way to put it. I mean, I saw myself on fire, if that helps. <laughs> I mean, considering the walls are not made of a flammable material. Uh, so she threw fire at the walls again. There's what? No. A, she threw it at the thing. Not my fault it was incorporeal. We were all a little freaked out. Just, I, I'm just going to leave it at the two of you. Stay friends. <laughs> <laughs> It'll wash off. <laughs> just just keep keep this one around. She she looks over at Kenita pointing at Tempest. Just keep 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 her keep her with you. Well, I will do. I don't, I don't plan to let her <laughs> go wandering off anytime soon. And she, she kind of glances at the spice tin that you've been filling up with Tempest. So is, is that is that for, for Ziggle? Is that- of course. 
I always appreciate the little tips and tricks you've shown me while cooking. I've kept them with me as I've uh, been adventuring, so. And I appreciate the spices that you get from places that I don't get enough time away from the ship to do. Yep, give and we take. <laughs> it's the least I could do. I always enjoy your company. And uh, Tempest and I are hoping to get some grub here. And if you need any help, uh, I'm sure we, we can lend a hand or two. Yeah, I think Thorstag said something about you're going to fish or something to try and help help uh, get some fresh food on board and everything when we get through all the stuff that we got from Port Norsal. Yeah, I might try my hand or two, but the real fisherman here is going to be uh, Rem. <laughs> He's that slightly grumpier old man He's uh, you saw over there. <laughs> he, he went off to sleep, I think, because uh, we had quite the eventful night and he helped me keep watch throughout the night. I understand. I, we all heard about it this morning. Some of us heard about <laughs> it last night. <laughs> and she starts plating up the, the food for you. She kind of serves it like family style, heaping everything onto, onto big plates. And she hands you a plate of bacon, a bowl of like scrambled eggs and uh, some some toast. And uh, oh, uh, out, outside there's uh, some some smaller dishes so you guys can can take those up to your room. Thank you very much. And yeah, she'll help set everything up and communicate with uh, Tempest to kind of get our setup. Yeah, you. She hands uh, Kanina the food plates. You carry these and you. And she looks over at Tempest. You mm-hmm. get the dishes right there. Okay. Help your friend. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Tempest Bye, Kanina. I'll see you later. Dishes. Bye, blue person. You never told me your name. Tempest. Bye, Tempest. Bye, Ziggle. <laughs> Good luck with the morning cooking. <laughs> oh, most of them already got their breakfast. You're some of the last people. Oh, yeah, I guess we're off uh, up a little Fucking bit later than usual heads. today. <laughs> we'll, we'll take our, our haul back to the room. <laughs> and after probably 15 minutes or so, Ariel, Tempest, and Kanina show up with some plates of food and some serving utensils, some, some eating dishes and everything. We'll come back and then uh, Nina will kind of like uh, listen at the door of Rem's room to see if he's awake at all. Yeah, if she hears that, then she'll she'll probably <laughs> save Rem's portion for later when he decides to stir. <laughs> so we'll we'll group up in our room and eat our food. Uh, as uh, Ariel gets some food, first she'll lay her journal out. So you see on the left side of her journal is her attempt to sketch. I don't think I've ever said she draws or anything. I don't even know. I think she just writes in her journal a lot. Go ahead and roll a sleight of hand. See how good your your drawing skills are. 19. There you go. Okay, you're a good, good sketcher. whatever my sleight of hand is. Ooh, sleight of hand is plus three. So 22. Yeah, so the drawing is actually pretty good given the uh, the materials that you have to work with. It's kind of like trying to draw something when all you have is a ballpoint pen. So, you know, the shading's a little rough. The outline is, is really bold. But when you show it to Kanina, because it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. I was um, gonna lay it on the bed and I was gonna be like, hey, you guys, since you saw this in, you know, a different perspective, I just remember, you know, being right in front of me. What do you think? Like, can do you have any suggestions? Like, I just want to make sure we have whatever description we can so we can relay it and we're not forgetting by the time we get there. That's a good idea because it would be helpful if we had some sort of uh, physical representation to show someone who might know what this is in further detail. So Yeah, so the left side of the journal is the drawing and then the right side of the journal is just, just words, not like sentences or anything, just like black, you know, just descriptive words. Well, okay, well, um, if you guys could look it over, maybe add anything you can think of, at least to the list. 
or fix the sketch. <laughs> for, for like Kinnian and Tempest looking over the, the sketch, was like, no, that, I mean, I only saw it from the side, but that is definitely what that thing looked like. That if you point it down and go, yep, that's the thing that tried to eat Ariel. Yeah, Kinnian will look it over, especially since she was there to see like the uh, soul sucking action that kind of went on too, and maybe give a few more details about what she can remember from that. That would probably be the main thing that you can fill in is because for Ariel that was so up close and personal and actually having this affect her, she probably didn't get the same visual like look from you guys on an outside perspective. You could see that it looked like this thing was like straight draining the color out of Ariel. Yeah, so she'll, I guess, kind of go into detail a little bit more about that, what it seemed to do for its attack when it was latching on to you and sucking your your soul out. And uh, beyond looks, it seems like you've, uh, Kenny will go through and look at your journal and just be like, as far as looks goes, uh, I think you, you've sketched out a pretty good rendition of this uh, black shadowy creature. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I can about uh, what I saw it doing, but I think you've got it pretty, pretty much nailed down. Thank you. And she's just going to keep jotting down as she's like shoving food in her mouth with the other hand. <laughs> About five minutes after you guys come back with food, there's a firm knock on the cabin door. Who is it? So I think we have some things to talk about. Can I come in? Are you decent? Yeah, come in. And Thorsteg opens up the door and walks in. Like, I wasn't just going to barge in on you guys, you know. I've, you, you get some decency and some <laughs> privacy here. Though we definitely need to talk a little bit about what happened last night. You know, I know that you guys all wanted to get to sleep. My crew wanted to get to sleep. I wanted to get to sleep. So it was very understandable that we kind of just settled it with the, she's got dead things. <laughs> so, and Thorstag walks over to the bed that's by the door, passes by the end table that the food is on, pulling a strip of bacon, stuffs <laughs> it into his mouth, and just kind of throws himself up onto the bed. So what the fuck? <laughs> Ariel just kind of shoves the wrapped spear a little bit further behind her. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Kanina will actually, like, point out Ariel's journal and just be like, well, this is a pretty good rendition of what we saw last night. Uh, this is all very new to us because this has never happened before throughout our time of traveling together. Thorstag looks at it, eyes widen up. Well, shit, I wouldn't want to fight that thing either. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really a fighter, but shit. Kanina will just be like, yeah, it came as quite a shock to us. None of us were expecting to wake up in the middle of the night being attacked by something on a place we thought was safe. Yeah, so what is it? Um, we don't know. Uh, we kind of figured it might be some sort of avenging spirit of some sort. I think Ariel had a revelation a bit about it, and uh, it probably has something to do with the uh, the creature that we faced down uh, back in the forest off of Starin. It was a, uh, a giant knoll that was uh, had undead powers and since uh our friend here dealt the killing blow to it we figured that might have something to do with why she's now being stalked by this creature we don't know it also might have to do with uh something else we brought with us she'll kind of side eye ariel and not give too much more info something else you brought with you yeah what'd you bring with you that you think might be bringing uh spirits after you to kill you well, we don't know for sure, and we have tried to perform, like... I know you, you said you're not sure, but you also said maybe it is. She'll look at Ariel just to see what her reaction is. Thorstag <laughs> looks at Ariel. Yeah, Kenny is definitely not the person to be uh, asking if you wanted to keep things secret, <laughs> so that's why. 
So she's looking at you because she wants to know how much information you want to divulge. So she'll she'll look at you to kind of see if you want to take over the conversation or if you want to give her like a slight shake of the head or something. He takes a, a bite out of the bacon and just stares at Ariel. Now look here. I may not be a good captain, but I'm still the captain here. And you're on my ship. And if you're carrying things around that make things that want to kill you come on my ship, I... I kind of think that I deserve to understand a little bit more about what's going on here. Can you step forward a little bit? Because she realizes she kind of put this uh, conversation a little bit more on the spot. She'll just be like, well, surely this isn't the first time you've carried cargo that may or may not be questionable. And we're not trying to keep anything from you, but this is also kind of on a guild needs to know basis. And we, we don't want to be uh, preferring up too much information when we know very little ourselves. He takes another bite out of the bacon and kind of gestures at it. He's like, ah, guild business. The fucking guild. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've carried some, some sketchy shit before. Stuff that I knew was sketchy when I took it on board. The sketchy shit didn't try to kill me. I guess to be fair, your guys' sketchy shit didn't try to kill me either, but I'm worried about what happens if it does kill you. Is it going to just leave? Is it going to come kill me? Is it going to kill my crew? I, I, that's that's fair enough. We'll do everything in our power to protect you and our crew, and we're, we don't have any intention of dying ourselves, of course, and we, we did seem to handle ourselves pretty well last night, but again, this is the first time this has happened, so it's a bit of a surprise to us. We don't quite know what triggered it. Ariel's going to actually interrupt. Um, Nina, did it try to attack anybody else? Nina will think to herself and, did it DM? I don't remember. <laughs> it didn't make any distinct attacks towards anyone. It clearly noticed that other things entered the room because at one point I distinctly remember describing that it looked over at you because you threw fire at it, turned back to Ariel and continued trying to drain her life. So Kanina will ponder for a bit on that question and she'll just be like, it seemed to be more focused on Ariel here rather than anybody else. It seems like the entity was very hyper fixated on her so whatever this is you probably won't have to worry about it randomly attacking you or any of your crew members and then ariel's gonna be like yeah um it's an avenging spirit it was hired basically by somebody to take me out so it doesn't care about you guys it just wants to do its job kill me and be done yeah, and usually with uh, arcane means like these, they do tend to focus on the individual rather than killing anything in its path from what I can tell. And I, it seems like it may react to things trying to fight it, but it did seem like it one and only goal was to target Ariel. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry that we can't tell you more, but it is on a bit of a need to know basis. And we don't want to endanger anybody unnecessarily until we know more ourselves. I really think that this situation needs to stay confidential even with you until we can discuss things with the guild. Well, uh, I don't know if you quite understand this whole thing. Um, we're on a ship. There's not a whole lot of other places to go. So, uh, word's already out about what happened last night. It's not like they know, know what happened. But when people woke up... It was the biggest fucking fish that anybody ever caught. And that was like the first time Ariel has sworn. <laughs> yeah, so, so you see... she's getting frustrated. <laughs> when it's the middle of the night and a woman that's new on the ship wakes up screaming her lungs out for her companions, 
people kind of ask questions. So, like, I, you know, it's, it's fine that you want to keep things under wraps and everything, and I'm not going to tell them what you told me. I'm just letting you know that if you get some side eyes or some uncomfortable conversations, well, uh, t talk spreads really fast around here. Um, so maybe, you know, like I got some bad mushrooms and I had some night terrors and I just started screaming. Yeah, yeah, that, that really explains the, the sounds of fire flying across the room and, uh, and why your friends came running over. But hey, it's okay. In like my I sleep, said, I started attacking. I'm not, I'm not going to tell them I can exactly do what happened. I'm just saying, people know some shit went down last night and they know that you guys were involved. But, you know, I, I'm fine keeping this to me. This, this conversation here between the... Looks over at Tempest. I guess three of us. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, can, you, can you like walk over to him, just like clap her hand on his shoulder, and she'll like really turn on the charm here for like the whole persuasion thing and just be like, well, I'm sure you're used to quelling weird rumors about other things, so I'd really appreciate it if you'd just, you know, <laughs> help turn down any uh, weird conversations that might pop up from this. She'll just give him her most dazzling smile. <laughs> right, Thorstag? That little twinkle in her eye. Yeah. And you really don't know anything about the item that we won't even tell you about, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, you know... It doesn't even exist. This is just the most exciting thing to be going around the ship since people found out that Prantha and Benedict are fucking. <laughs> and he gets up. I'm taking another piece of bacon. <laughs> All right. And walks out of the room. <sighs> Can you, like, uh, look over at Aaron and be just like, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to reveal more than I should have. But uh, we, he is someone I, I trust and know quite well. So I, he is someone that we can rely on if it comes down to it. I just don't want, because we don't know everybody on the ship. And I just don't want any curious people poking their nose in. And No, you're right. I, I do understand the need for uh, confidentiality when we're dealing with something as dangerous as this. I'll try to keep it under wraps and I'll try not to <laughs> have too many other people. <laughs> Get to know. And like, she's like, shit, I already told the cook who's going to tell everybody else, but that's fine. Should there be but, a little bit of a deception here eh? with that kind of thought? I mean, I'm not lying to her, but it's just like she's not going to be spreading any more info. I mean, if anything, I feel like I should have been able to persuade Thorstag to keep it more under wraps. But <laughs> We should have insight checked. Do you want to roll an insight check on Thorstag's reaction? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I have a plus five. So that makes it 13. <laughs> you got the feeling as he left that he was being very matter of fact with you. He has questions. He didn't get the answers that he wanted, but he got some answers. And based on the seriousness of you guys saying that this is guild business and doesn't need to get spread around, you do believe that he's going to be like, all right, guild shit. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna piss off the Adventurers Guild. That's not good for business or anything. <laughs> if he had kept pestering, she would have made her eyes glow and get very, very, very stern, like like standing up and speaking him like basic mom voice. Mom voice, but in celestial. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I think on that note, though, um, so Kanina will try to assure Ariel that, like, she'll try to help quell any rumors that also might be spreading around, but she'll also be like, um, I'll be right back. <laughs> and she's gonna go off to see Ziggle, I think. <laughs> Wait! 
Okay, when you get back, remind me I needed to, to talk about something with you guys. So Nina will like take our dishes and stuff like that that we've done, and then she'll like, kind of scurry off to the kitchen really quick. All right. Rem, go ahead and roll me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, gosh. 16. Rem went back to the other cabin and went to sleep, catch up on the, the last couple hours of sleep that he missed out on during the night before. And as he, he falls into sleep, he finds himself falling into a dream. The setting of the dream is rather interesting. It reminds him a lot of about two weeks ago when you guys stayed at the Locket and Key and had a bit of a spa day. Rem finds himself sitting in a hot tub in a spa. The area around him is kind of covered in a mist to the point that as far as Rem can perceive, this hot tub is the only thing that exists in his dream space. Go ahead and roll perception. 16. Over the sound of the bubbles that are coming up from the hot water, you hear soft footsteps off in the mist. They seem to be approaching in your direction. They'll just sit there and kind of look in that direction. A very tall woman emerges from the steam around you. And by very tall, I'm talking eight and a half, nine feet, lets the robe around her fall and sits in the hot tub across from Rem. Kind of crosses one leg over the other as she leans back against it. Hello, Rem. Hello. You care about her. Who are we talking about? You know. What of it? Does she know? I don't know. Are you going to tell her? Probably not. I feel that you understand that that would be a wise decision on your part. She reaches out of the hot tub and picks up a glass of wine and takes a drink from it. I'm just going like, to look around and be like, that wine wasn't here a second ago. No, it wasn't. Neither was I. Can you hear my thoughts? Of course I can. That's terrifying. If you think about it, you'd understand more. She takes a long drink. You really have no idea, do you? I am unsure of where this conversation is going. How would I know? Know what? That you care. Because you're in my head. To an extent, you are correct. She takes another drink and smiles at you. Rim is going to be thinking like he feels he knows or has seen this person before in dreams. Go ahead and roll probably an insight check. 21. This voice is a voice very familiar to Rem at this point. Definitely through dreams and things that exist in an area of his memory that he is unsure on if they are dreams or strange memories. So Rim can just sit there and kind of stare at her for a little while. Is it important would she not know, or just a good idea? Just a good idea. You know you're here for a purpose. Yes. And it is wise to keep in mind who you let yourself become attached to you. It's one of the reasons that I am who I am. That is a fair point. Just keep in mind the baggage that you could leave behind. Okay. She takes another drink. It's a good thing that you care about others. As you said, it's a part of what makes you who you are. Just be careful, Rem. 
Okay. Why are we naked? Because I felt that you could use the relaxation. Hmm. She pushes off against the back of the tub and starts to stand up and climb up the stairs and picks up her robe from the ground where she had left it. Enjoy your bath. Thank you. And she walks away into the fog. I think Rim would wake up shortly after that and be like, (laughs) (laughs) Tempest. Yes. What does Tempest do as Kanina leaves the room and leaves you and Ariel alone as you kind of sat back on the bed towards the bow of the ship and watched this interestingly tense conversation between Thorsteg, Ariel, and Kanina. I don't know. She's she's kind of just still very thrown by what happened last night, but at the same time, can't really fathom what Ariel's probably going through, considering it happened to her. And it was pretty evident that she was having nightmares too. But it's just Ariel and her in the room now, right? Yes. Like, so you want to talk about it? Or you're ready to move on for a little while? Um, I don't really know that there's any more to say. And I think if I am to say stuff, it was fucking scary. Yeah, I think think we're all pretty freaked out. She'll just kind of tuck her knees up to her chest slunk against the wall. I feel like it's one of those awkward silence moments where it's just like, I can't say anything to make this better right now. So yes, the scene kind of after this brief little like conversation between the two of them is, I imagine very similarly on opposite ends of this room, Tempest and Ariel both are just kind of like huddled against the wall, kind of tucked up in their own bubbles. And the view of the scene kind of pulls out and comes back to Kanina entering the kitchen once again. Kanina will, uh, approach the kitchen once again, and she'll have uh, most of our empty dishes. I'm sure she left whatever food was left over for Rem and whatnot, what we didn't finish. Then kind of uses it as a excuse to segue into what she wanted to talk to Ziggle about, uh, knowing that she kind of uh, stepped on Ariel's toes a bit about revealing a little bit more than she probably should have. She knows the kitchen can be quite the hub of information because <laughs> she's used it herself in the past for that kind of reasons, I think. As you walk into the kitchen, you probably like tap on the door and Ziggle turns around. She's like, we'll all be damned. You bring the dishes back. I don't only have to go around these things up myself. Oh, of course. I don't want to be discourteous. I know you work hard enough as it is. Well, thank you. She takes the dishes off your hands. There's a little wash basin that she piles them into. And Kenina will kind of awkwardly just bring up a... She's like turned, starting to wash the dishes, realizes Kenina's to... Can, can I help you? Yeah, Um. so you know how I told you about everything that transpired last night and kind of gave you some details and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, your friend, she brings about evil spirits and uh, and they're trying to kill her and they might be <laughs> trying to kill you and they might also be trying to kill everyone on this ship. Oh, oh shit. no, 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 I didn't say they'd be trying to kill everyone on this ship. It was mostly just targeting Ariel, my friend here, but it's more like I probably shouldn't have divulged as much information as I did, so I really appreciate if you can kind of keep it on the down low. I know it's very tempting to want to share this 
this with everyone who might be curious about what happened last night, but I really shouldn't have shared as much as I did, but I find you very easy to talk to and I trust you quite a bit, but it, you know, I'd appreciate it maybe if you wouldn't go spreading too much info around. Ziggle kind of just shakes her head. He's <laughs> like, oh, Nina, one of these days, your boisterous and very open personality is going to get you in trouble. She yeah. smiles and nods to you, <laughs> like ear to ear grin. Yeah, Nina will kind of like uh, just like reach up her hand, like scratch at her head and just be like, yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to work on it. I'm, I'm not very good at. Uh... You are absolutely terrible at discretion. <laughs> well, I feel like an, an open, open attitude toward most things gets gets the job done. But oh, it makes you an absolute delight to talk to. I just know better than to share anything sensitive with you. <laughs> you know, that's that's fair enough. But again, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you didn't go spreading too much information around. I think uh, my friend Ariel would uh, take a bit of uh, insult at that. And it was a bit of my fault for being a little too hasty with uh, giving out more than I should for guild business. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can work to try and uh, try and divert attention away. Like, y- y- did you hear about Prantha and Benedict? They've been fucking apparently. Oh boy. <laughs> that was the fun news before you guys got on board and brought the evil spirits. Yeah. I mean, before you guys got on board and we were taking you back to Riven. Yeah, this, yeah the, I, I did hear a little bit about that from Thorstag. Seems news spreads like wildfire. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if they're not careful, other things are going to spread like wildfire here too. Oh no. <laughs> Nina will kind of like uh, bow and just be like, yeah, well, if you need help with anything, just let me know and she'll be on her way out. Well, you know, you, you can come back and help cook dinner tonight. Sure, sounds Especially like a plan. Especially if anyone brings on any fresh fish, we're going to want to get that cooked before we get into the, you know, the stuff we got from uh, from Norsal. Yeah, I'll check in with Rem about that. I feel like he may be eager to uh, do some fishing a little bit later. With that, she'll turn back and I think leave with the intention of going to check up on Rem, see if he's had enough time to rest up a bit more, if he wants to sleep a little bit longer. Am I able to, if I cast message, would Nina be able to get it? It says that you point a finger toward a creature within range and whisper a message. You can cast the spell through solid objects if you're familiar with All the right. target. Then, yeah, you, you know the, the general direction that Kanina is in. So I think you'd be able to, to send a message to her with the spell. It's a cantrip, so she's going to do it a couple times, I think. So she's just going to be like, Nina, can you hear me? And then play another way. <laughs> Nina, can you hear me? <sighs> another way. Nina, can you hear me? And she's going to keep doing that until she gets a response. <laughs> Just because I know the ship, it does also say that magical silence, one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a oh. thin sheet of lead, or three feet of wood block the spell. Oh. So Guess go not. ahead and roll a d20. Uh, 12. So evidently, because the spell is blocked by a inch of common metal, I think like the first one that you go to send, you point off in the direction that Nina had walked, knowing where the back of the ship is. And you meet a bit of like resistance to the point that you feel the spell isn't penetrating through even the wall right next to you. Dang it. She's just going to give up and... Um, hey, Tempest? Yeah? I kind of need to talk about something important, but I need it, like, all four of us to be here. And I try to send a message to Nina, but my magic's not working, I guess. We're kind of in a metal box. That's probably it. Might not work very well. Um, yeah, I can go try and find Nina. Okay. You gonna be okay on your own? Um, hopefully. I'll scream. I'll try to scream. You want me to wake up Rem and get him to come sit with you? Well, I 
I could, I do need to discuss something. Why don't you go wake up Rem and I'll go find Nina. I'm going to look at the spear. No, I'll just, it's okay. I can just wait until everybody shows up. So Kanina Mm -hmm. finished up her uh, conversation with Ziggle and goes over to see Rem. You kind of were trying to catch him awake. I was going to check on him just to see, because I imagine it's been about at least probably an hour now since we've uh, had breakfast and cleaned up and talked. Yeah, so you go over to the other cabin, kind of nudge the door open. Is Rem awake? Yeah, he probably woke up from that dream. (laughs) And this is also right across the hall from our room, too. Yeah, like you can touch both doors if you stand (laughs) in the middle of the hall. So you guys might hear Nina's like approach through the hall uh, if you guys are still having this conversation. So Nina will poke her head into Rem's room. Just be like, "Uh, sorry to intrude, Rem. Uh, Did you want any food? We have some food in the other room. I'm okay for now. Okay. um, uh, We want to see if you want to do some fishing later on. I think it might be fun to give fishing a try. I know you got a new set from Ariel. Might be fun. You feeling okay there? She'll look, kind of look at Rem. Does, does he seem okay to her? He's just, he's a little out of it, but like, it's nothing that like would be very obvious. Well, Rem is very good at keeping. <laughs> so I think the way that Kanina sees it is that Rem doesn't look natural, but he doesn't look to be in the same shape that Ariel was after getting her soul sucked out of her. I think Kanina also has the same realization that Tempest probably had that we're all a little bit uh, frazzled (laughs) from our encounter. (laughs) Yep, I broke the entire party's spirits in one encounter. Nina will be a bit concerned for Rem just because she thinks it's a little bit odd just to see him shaking up of all of the people in the party. Uh, But like... He's always the stoic one. Yeah, but just... just Oh, Rem's just still also like waking up. (laughs) I know, I know. But... uh, At that moment, (laughs) Tempest opens the door, steps out into the hallway, and runs into Nina. Oh. <laughs> hey, I was about to come looking for you. Oh, hi. And like Nina will still have like the door of Ren's room like partially open and just be like, oh yeah, what did you need me for? Ariel wants to get everybody together. Oh, uh, did you hear that, Ren? Yeah, yeah. I'm on my way. Wake up, sleepyhead. Come on, old man. <laughs> have bacon. Or oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, Nina um, will kind of, you know, leave Rem's door partially open and she'll uh, she'll turn back to the room, you know, that's like a step away. <laughs> and she's just like, okay, well, take your time getting ready, Rem. We'll uh, meet you there with some food. And she'll basically be like right on your heels, just following you across. Yeah, so we'll go back in and she'll point out the food and she'll perch on one of the beds and turn to Ariel and just be like, uh, you had something you wanted to discuss, Ariel? Did you have, did you have any uh, new revelations about this creature? Mm, no. Um, and she's going to grab the spear that was behind her and she's going to place it in front of her. I think she's probably still sitting on the floor. So she's going to place it on the ground. I wanted to talk about this. Um, I'm, I'm worried that if any of you guys take a turn at carrying it, that another spirit, um, will come after you or whoever's holding it. And, um... The dreams that I was having in Grimfing, trying to get it in my dreams. So my suggestion is that I be the sole bearer of this until we get it to the guild and get more advice. And um, my other suggestion is that I don't leave this room because if something is to come when I have it, because I'm not going to let it out of my sight. And if I leave the room and go anywhere else on the ship, and any of the crew sees the spirit if it comes back. I mean, I did try to hopefully remove the curse, but I'm only a new sorceress. 
What would we know about curses? Yeah, would any of us, like especially the magically inclined, know like anything? Rumors? I used to be a cleric. <laughs> I mean, I do have connection with Kosain, so I feel like I would get a feeling. But at the same time, she's so just in shock and is terrified. And she hasn't talked yet with Kosain, so I, like she doesn't really know. So yeah, that's just basically what I wanted to say. Um, so I would appreciate it if you kept me fed. <laughs> N- Nina will speak up to this and just be like, well, it'll be easier to keep track of you, I suppose, if this thing does come after you again. Because as you said, um, we did try our best to, you know, destroy the thing and you tried to remove the curse, but we have no idea if it was actually effectual or not. So. I guess it would be nice to keep track of you, but I am worried for your mental health and being cooped up in this room for, you know, a week. <laughs> so. Oh, oh, I used to coop myself up in my room in the monastery for just months, years, you know, <laughs> just this trip is nothing. But uh, my other, I have a request that maybe I'm not by myself in the room just in case something does start sucking my face again. Yeah, that w- we could probably set up a rotation of uh, people to stay with you so that that way you're never alone and in danger. I should have been able to attack it back or something to, you know, keep it off me, but it, it, it just terrified me. I couldn't really do much. Well, that's understandable. I mean, I think most people would be pretty shell-shocked to have something just go and uh, attack them in while they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to react as you would normally if you were fully awake. I don't think that's a altogether terrible idea. Like I said, I'd be a little bit worried for your uh, <laughs> well-being, I guess. But as long as someone's with you and keeping you company, I don't think it's a bad plan. We'll be back in Riven shortly. So I do think with my experience of carrying the axe around, I remember I was very cautious of letting other people hold it or touch it when I found out it had some weird influence over my mind. I didn't feel any effects as strongly as you did. And this is like a completely different sort of thing from what I can tell, but it seems to have similar alignments almost. And I guess since everyone's here, and speaking of the axe, I might have uh, some news of my own to divulge here. What? Hmm? Yeah, so Nina being sat on her bed will probably take the red dragon plushie (laughs) there and kind of fiddle with it as she starts to speak her mind about what's kind of been lurking in the back there that she kind of pushed aside for the time being as we got lost in the festivities of the carnival and the journey back home. (laughs) So Nina will look around the room at each of her companions and she'll say that uh, I I had a bit of a dream encounter myself and I didn't quite know what to make of it and I've been kind of mulling it over in my head for a bit and I will admit I got a bit distracted with the carnival and just going back home to Riven and whatnot, so I didn't really find a chance to tell everyone, but it has to do a bit with the axe and with uh, the red dragon. Another? It's the same one that I believe we've been hearing about in our dreams. It's hard to say because I haven't seen your exact dreams, but from the descriptions of what we've seen in the past. A red dragon. Yes. Red dragon with golden eyes. Yeah. And, uh, Basically, I got to speak with this dragon in my dreams. In my dreamscape, I was uh, taken to a clearing in the mountains. I didn't know where I got there, and uh, I got to speak with him. And from what I could tell, he didn't seem like he was deceiving me, and he 
didn't seem overly aggressive like he has appeared in the past. He told me that he was broken, not physically from what I could see, but he said that he needed my help. Apparently, uh, him and his kind had been banished to another realm, but they have, they have connections to weapons, so I can't help but think that these weapons we've been finding maybe have a more meaningful connection to the dragons we've been seeing in our dreams and visions. Uh, he, he asked me to, to help him, and I didn't give him any confirmation, really. I, I, did, I did say that I might look into it, but I know that he's presented himself as very aggressive in the past. I had visions of him burning my village, and Pam, she'll look at Ariel, and you had visions of him uh, destroying your monastery with me, apparently, though I would never do such a thing. And he told me that I have to find the other half of the axe that we took. I don't know how the axe got separated or what it, the other half might look like, but he said that that's key to uh, helping to return his kind to their prosperity. Hmm. He says that what we've seen for our visions are a choice that can happen, but not necessarily what is going to be. So the things that you've seen and I've seen that show him as this devastating force doesn't necessarily have to come true in the way that we saw it. I think this might be an opportunity for us to influence how our future is shaped. And if we go along with what he says for now, but keep in mind of any taints in our minds, then it might be beneficial for us. And of course, I, I plan to bring this up with the guild as well, because I know they've been doing research on the axe. So it'd be, I'd be very curious to see what they have to say. Because for all I know, he could have been trying to trick me. But like I said, when I was face to face with him in my dream, he didn't seem like he was being deceitful or evil or malicious toward me. And he seemed very earnest about wanting to help his kind and his people. And that's that's something I can identify with. But at the same time, he is, you know, a dragon. And I am concerned about where the, where the <laughs> forces might lie in the future if we help them. I have a question. Um, you said he has a connection to weapons, and you said these weapons, like plural. Are you implying that you think that this spear is connected to dragons too? Well, from the things we've researched in the library back at Sterengeld and the axe we came across that was possessed of a very strong kobold, and then we found this very strong spear with fancy powers I was possessed by this very strong knoll, I felt like there was some similarities there that couldn't really be ignored. I have no idea if they're actually linked. We may have to do further research on this, but perhaps there's a connection, perhaps not. We'll have to see what our guild leaders have uncovered. But the evilness that's coming off of the spear, I would I would be very scared about uh, connecting it with a, a dragon. Yeah, and I mean... I don't really know much about dragons, but the one I talked with seemed like he might have a similar mind to you or I, so if dragons are as different as an individual person are, you know, who's to say that one could be evil and one could be good? Right. We can be nice people. We can be malicious people. Mm. We can be an honest person. We can be a completely deceitful person. And if a dragon is that wise... How do we know that one that is connected to the spear 
and the evilness that it possesses. How do we know that there's not a, a dragon that wants the spear right now and sent that avenging spirit? Because it knows that Grimfang doesn't have it anymore or something. Yeah, I guess until we know the a uh, little bit more details about the history of these weapons and it's hard to know if they're even connected at all or if there's a dragon behind it. I think for now we still um, need to not trust the red dragon. And again, th- these are all just theories from information we've collected so far. We have no idea what will be revealed to us in the future and the truth of the situation. But I, I do agree with you that perhaps uh, this unknown entity is not to be trusted. And especially if the evilness coming off of the sphere is any indication, if this is connected to another dragon, that bringing back dragons and enabling them with more power is something we want to do. But again, we'll have to, I guess, find out a little more history. Um, so when, when you're speaking to him, he's on good terms with you and everything, right? Like you're a friend or is he frustrated? I, I wouldn't really call him a friend. And Kanina's thinking back to when he burned her village and when he was offering her power, you know, with honeyed words. <laughs> and she, she was just kind of thinking back on those thoughts and then thinking also of the serious conversation that Ariel and Kanina had in the wagon about uh, me riding Doitan and burning down her monastery. And she's like, I, I definitely wouldn't call him a friend, but he didn't seem like someone who was being deceitful at the time that I was talking to him. I've only had a couple brief conversations and this was the first time that we actually talked face-to-face in a non-violent manner, I suppose. Well, since since we're worried about the spear and possibly another dragon, maybe if you talk to him again, maybe see if he knows anything about a spear. Maybe he knows a brother dragon. You know, I don't know. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, if anybody has questions that they want me to ask to Doitan, if I happen to meet him in a dream again, then I'd be glad to uh, see what we could glean from him. Names. Names? See if you can get names. It could help with further research. Right. Names, and I suppose alignments might be interesting too, if my theory about them possibly being as diverse as normal people, if they're good or evil or what have you. Just with uh, <laughs> how shaken up and morose everyone is from our recent encounters with the spear, if the spear is, is connected to a dragon, this is definitely giving Kanina second thoughts about helping Doiton. But uh, she still intends to further research, and I do believe she told him that she was going to be, you know, looking into the axe at the very least. But I think Kanina feels like there's a weight off her chest now, and that little like niggling in the back of her mind that she was leaving things unsaid. She feels a bit better now that she has gotten everything out in the open. Because as Ziggle was saying, that she she is a very open person. She doesn't like having things rest too heavy on her shoulders. <laughs> yeah. She'll turn and look at each of her party members in the room. Be like, I'll be sure to keep you informed in a more timely manner if I have any more dragon dreams or some such. But uh, if anyone here is also affected by anything, I think it's important for us to share it. So that way we can help each other in case we're being manipulated somehow. I agree. Is anybody else having dreams? I mean, I had some pretty messed up dreams last night, but that's understandable considering the circumstances. Are you okay? I will be. Did you, like, talk to anybody specifically in your dreams or was it just... No, it was just reliving over and over how I got there and couldn't do anything. I see. 
but you guys took care of it. We took care of it in the time, but Kenya will get up and she'll like walk over to Tempest and put her hands on her shoulder and she'll just feel like, you're definitely important to us and you being there and being ready to fight at our side is really what's what's important, you know? Because if I had missed or Rem had gotten struck and down or any number of things that had happened, it's good to know that we have another trustworthy companion at our side. To be fair, it's amazing that you heard and you were in a completely different room. I mean, we're not that far apart. It's kind of small. You were screaming very loud. You were. I think you woke the whole boat up. Fuck. But Rim is going to look up at the scorch marks on the wall and then over at Tempest to be like, Oh yeah, I need to wash those off. There's the chance that sometimes in the future too, fire may not be the answer. Can you know, also look over that and just be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to help Tempest uh, mend up some of those if some of them are a little too deep. Before we get too far, like, Kanina is kind of checking with each individual person and she'll she'll look at Rem too and just be like, so Rem, have you had anything pop up recently? No dragon dreams. No dragon dreams? Just bad memories. I see. Can I glean anything from him? Go ahead and roll an insight check. <laughs> Didn't I see him like with the, on both sides? When we were in the, he was in the shower and I was in the bath. So yeah, everyone has seen the front of Ramscar from the locket and key spa day. Ariel has seen that that scar appears to go all the way through Rem's chest. Because of that, can I roll an insight too? Sure. Cause he's like, no dreams of dragons. Also remind me of how the scar looks again handprint through no the handprint is another scar essentially there is like probably three four inches long a jagged deep cut scar over his heart that on the top of that has a larger than human handprint like directly with that scar would be in like the center of the palm of the hand so kanina 24 and ariel 17. How how deceptive is Rem feeling right now? I got a 23. (laughs) So Ariel doesn't do much more than take things at face value. However, Kanina is getting not an obvious, but still a slight, you know, kind of how Kanina has had this feeling lately of there's things I have to say that I am avoiding saying. You're getting the sense that Rem is hiding something, but it's not so big that it's like, yeah, so he's dreaming about dragons too and just not saying anything, <laughs> but it's like, uh, he's got something that he doesn't want want to talk about. I see. You know, as a player, you have seen many of Rem's dreams, but as far as Kanina goes... I've seen him troubled very slightly, but it's one of those things that Rem always brushes off. So again, he's mentioned he's had a, uh, just like a, a rough past in a sense where he's lost people and, you know, he's lost people even with us in the party, you know, like Karim and whatnot. So it's it's one of those things where she knows he has a lot of burden. I, I guess the best way to kind of think about it is Kanina's getting the sense that as Rem continues to try to hand wave things saying just bad memories, that there's a story there that he knows and he doesn't want to get into. I don't think Kanina's going to push him too far in front of everybody, but she will file away the fact that he's not sharing as much as he could about what's been going on with him. Kanina cares deeply for her friends and she does consider her companions friends. So she wants to know a little bit about their inner workings, but it is hard sometimes because not everybody wants to 
openly share things, especially with someone as boisterous as Nina. <laughs> Who can't keep secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually think as this conversation kind of moves on, Kanina touches base with everyone else in the party, trying to see what's eating everyone up inside. We're going to go ahead and wrap up with today's session at roughly 3 p.m. on the 7th of Mononon. So we've made it about 12 hours, guys. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. You can help the show out a ton if you tell others about it by sharing episodes on social media. You can get in touch with us by joining our Discord server at adventuresinarelia.com forward slash Discord, where you can chat with the cast and our friends not only about the show, but about video games, Dungeons and Dragons, and other geeky things. Lastly, we'd like to thank the artists who allow us to use their music in our show. Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, Tabletop Audio, Windswept, Firenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpentstown Studios, Adrian Von Ziegler, Scott Buckley, Michael Gelfi, and Alec Wiesner. You can find links to all of these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com forward slash music. If you like Star Wars and especially actual play podcasts that play Star Wars, then Redemption should be on your playlist. The Redemption podcast is the oldest still running Star Wars actual play show online. Over the years, our cast has included a cocky pilot. Up is not up. I don't know how you think we pilot a ship up here in space. A failed Jedi. Right before Isla killed you, she said to call her Darth Huntress. A carefree soldier. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I might have been half wrong. We might die. A sugar-addicted brawler. Did you see that? I aspire to do... <gasps> I used a big word. A ship, Mom. I prefer not to get into too much danger. I, I, I like to be alive. And several droids with problems of their own. Your genetic material could produce quite the offspring. Ask into Trandoshan. Action, adventure, comedy, and drama. This is the story of redemption. Find out all about us at redemptionpodcast.com.